All right. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Helena, New York City. My sobriety date is June 10th, 1992. Been here for a couple of minutes. It wasn't my first date. My first date was June 8th, 1985. But I'll tell you more about that later. If you choose to hang around and listen. Because Megan told me I got to speak for 55 minutes, so I'm frightened, but that's not going to happen. And then she also told me that I should tell my story and not be a douchebag. So I'm not going to be a douchebag tonight. I've never been a douchebag, and I don't want that to be part of my story tonight. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am Helena, like I said. Um, I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. Also called dependent and also very nervous. I know most of you here tonight, so that makes me feel a tad bit comfortable, but not quite because I'm on the hot seat. I never like speaking. And matter of fact, let me turn on the video. I never like speaking, and I like it even less if I'm recorded. I remember one time Mark had asked me to speak and I was recorded. And the whole time that I spoke, I just kept saying, oh, it, was, it was crazy. But, you know, when somebody asks me to speak, I try my best to say yes, but I can say no. I can't say no because it's not like I don't do service, you know, all across the board. I believe in service. Service keeps me sober. And I like to give back freely what was so freely given to me when I first came in the rooms. <sighs> the last millennium. Yeah, so I'm here. Um, I don't exactly know where to start. So I'll start kind of like um, like the earlier days and, and, and move on up. I got to fill that space because if I don't make it, going to get me. So got to do it. So yeah, so um, I'm from New York. I was born in New York. I have lived other places in my life, but um. New York is where I'm at right now. Right now I'm in Corp City in the Bronx and I've been in this apartment for 28 years. Imagine that. I never thought I'd be here this long. I never thought I would be in the rooms this long, you know? Never, never, never. And I never wanted to be in the rooms this long. I tell you that when I first got here, I'm like, I'm only staying six months, that's it. You know, so anyway. So yeah, I, um, I, I was born in the Bronx, but I lived in Brooklyn the earliest part of my life. Um, I lived with my mother. My mother and my father were divorced early on. And um, my mother, my mother was a very beautiful, talented young woman. And um, the friends she hung around with, like on the weekends and this and that, were all autistic people like herself. So I was um, introduced early to music to art, um, playing cards, watching, listening, smelling weed, but I didn't know what the weed was. I didn't know that till later, all this stuff. But um, so I watched them and I learned a lot and everybody there had something to teach me. You know, one, um, one of her friends bought me a, um, a Roger's Theosaurus. I was five years old. So I learned how to read by the time I got to kindergarten. I knew how to draw. I knew how to dance, I knew how to sing, very talented young person. And um, 
I don't know. I once I got into school, it was it wasn't the greatest, you know, um, because I was the teacher's pet because I was always the smallest in school. I was any class I was in, I always knew the answers and this and that because I studied and I read a lot. I still do. I read a book a week, you know. Um, so I had a hard time. I had a hard time with a little boy in the class. He used to pick at me. And one day I decided I'd just stick my pencil in his ear and he won't bother me no more. And um, yeah, and I got into a lot of trouble with that. So then it was um, discovered that there was something a, a, a tad bit wrong with me. You know, I was, um, I started to be, I don't know, like very violent. And not that I picked on people, but I guess I set up like this invisible boundary that only I could see, but other people saw it because I didn't have any trouble on any bullying or anything like that going forward. So I did well, you know, in school, did well, keep going well, 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 as the years um, went by. There was a situation where I was um, molested by one of my mother's friend's neighbor's son. Um, and I mentioned that and nothing wasn't done about it. I heard a lot of arguing, a lot of screaming, but that, that told me that um, if anybody was going to take care of Helena, it had to be me. I got to see my father every now and then, but not, not much. Um, he lived in New Jersey at the time, and um, he would pick me up, take me to the diner, take me to these places and this and that. I used to ask him to teach me how to do stuff like skating, ride a bike and this and that, but nobody teach me anything you know anything I had to learn as far as um athletics or anything handball all that I had to go to other people my mother she was busy with what she was doing with work and this and that and um I don't know that kind of told me that anything that I needed to do I needed to find somebody and they would help me you know, the first time I ever smoked a cigarette I was six years old and I didn't even cough that should have been a header right there. When, when, whenever you smoking like that, and they were camels, they were camels, you know, camels, they had these cigarettes unfiltered, you know, and I'm smoking like I was born smoking, you know. And um, I also was a little thief. I turned into a thief very early. Um, what I would do is I would take money out of my mother's pocketbook and go buy my friends ice cream. Cause I wanted friends, you know, but it was hard to make friends when, when you're the teacher's pet all the time, you know? And, um, but it's okay. I did the best I could with, with what I had. And, you know, my mother would ask me questions about how I felt or what this and that and this and that. But I would always tell her, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Cause I don't know felt like the safest answer. I don't know. I don't know. And, um, you know, time went by. Um, I started to get into trouble as I got into my teenage years, wound up in a gang. And um, it was decided since I wasn't showing up at school because I would just go to school, take the test, the exams or whatever, pass them and then go out and smoke weed or, or alcohol. So I had by that time graduated to that. And um, and yeah, so it was decided that I would be sent to a school, a boarding school um, down, down, um, down south in North Carolina. And I did that for um, two years. I got to come home on spring break, but when I came home on spring break, I'd come home 
my suitcase up or whatever, go hang out in the street. Um, that school that I was sent to is no longer around now. Matter of fact, it's um it's in it's in decay, but it was one of the um first schools for all um people of color. And this was back in the 60s in the South. So you might know that that might have been uh I don't know. My mother was like really brave to send me down there because North Carolina was kind of jumping with a lot of stuff with segregation and civil rights and all this kind of stuff. But um, we didn't have any trouble at that school, but I made my own trouble. I discovered um, corn liquor down there. They'd have it in these big mason jars and, and, and I would drink that, but I didn't like it. What I found best for me was to sniff carbona. Carbona to clean and fluid and put it on a handkerchief and just sniff it and I'd be in class. I'd be like, oh. <laughs> Because you could smell it. I mean, you could really smell it, you know. But I still managed to pass because I was smart. You know, I was very, very smart, and I and I did okay. But um, I did end up getting um suspended from that school, and I I committed. Well, I tried to commit suicide there, and um, so I was kicked out of the school. And I can remember the um the principal telling my mother when she came to pick me up. Um, to take me back to New York that, um, that that I needed psychiatric help. My mother was like, we already looked at that. You know, she's fine. She's fine. But you know what? I wasn't fine. I wasn't fine, you know. But what can we do? So got back to New York and I got into all kinds of trouble. By that time, I had started to pick up heroin, which has always been my love and my drug of choice, always hands down. It will always be heroin. So the day I die, I just can't use it. You know, I fell in love with um with heroin. Um, I met I met a young man, and he became the father of my child. He was also a heroin dealer, but he was the team basketball player at school. <laughs> the best clothes, and he was one of the handsomest men I ever seen. He was a handsome young man. You know, I've always been attracted to handsome young men. And well, handsome older ones too ain't bad, you know. But yeah, so I've always that has always been part of my 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 story, you know. Um, so anyway, I ended up having a child. By the time I had turned um eighteen, I had had a child. Um, Robert, that's his name. He had got busted. And he got sent away to a um. Detox program and a and a program up in Daytop Village, upstate New York. So I was kind of offended, like kind of like for myself. I got a job that didn't work out well because I I I just um I don't know. I just had a thing about like taking orders. I could do the job. Just leave me alone. Let me do the fucking job. Just give me you know the diagram, whatever, and this and that. I told you I was smart. I could do it. So all I had to do was show up. But when you pay me now, make sure you pay me at the end of the day. Don't pay me at lunchtime. Because if I get paid at lunchtime, I go cast a check. I'm not coming back because I'm going to get high. Always. That, that's always been part of my story, you know, no matter what job I had until I um, came to the room. And I didn't have many because, you know, um, once I got into the, 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 the heroin um, game, you know, I had to, to find me some fellas to burn me how to, to work the streets, how to make money, how to um, 
for credit cards, how to forge checks, how to do all this stuff. So I turned into that kind of hustler. And I got into a lot of trouble, a little jail here and there, but um, I had to do what I had to do. I told myself, okay, when you got this job, you, you're a dope fiend now. You can admit you're a dope fiend. It took me a year before I realized that I had a problem. Um, like I needed it. I needed it. I thought I was still to the stage where I just wanted it. But no, I needed it, you know. But I got high every day. So how could I even know that I had a habit? Because I just topped it off every day. I get some heroin, I get some hash if I could find it. Um, get a little something to drink, because after the hash, then your mouth is dry, you need something to drink, you know. So it was just this this whole cycle. It was so crazy, you know, but that's part of my journey, you know. Um, so it 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 just got harder and harder and harder and harder you know i would um get together with a couple of men here and there a couple of men told me oh we're gonna try to pimp you out and that wasn't working with me and plus i forgot to learn i forgot to mention that i did learn a little martial arts so i never had any problem with men going upside my head you know um but anyway so going forward you know i told myself to make myself feel better that, well, at least you're not selling your ass in the street. At least you're not doing that. All these at least, you know, um, those are yes. Those were yes for me, you know. Um, and it just got harder and harder and harder. And I was just getting older and older and older. And, you know, I wasn't the best mother. Matter of fact, I was a shitty mother. I could, I could say that. Um, you know, if I could leave my mother with a family member, that was fine. You know, um, I didn't want my daughter to see me doing certain things, you know, but my daughter, no matter what, my daughter always loved me. You know, so oh, mommy, it's okay. Mommy, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, you know. So um finally I had had a couple of more suicide attempts, and the last one, which I really hope is the last one, a day at a time, um I wound up in um the psych ward in Harlem Hospital. By this time, I was in my 30s by then. Oh, and I forgot to mention, I got married to one man twice. The same man, twice. So you knew I was a little bit off. But anyway, so anyway, um, he was in jail by then. And I was, once again, on my own hustling in the street. But I made a lot of money. I need to say that. I made a lot of money. A lot more than I made in sobriety. I can tell you, but that's okay. That's okay, because look, look where I was going, you know. Um, so I wound up in, um, the psych ward. I had that last suicide attempt. When they found me, I had almost bit off my tongue and my heart had stopped twice. They took me to the psych ward. I stayed there for 10 months. 10 months, that's a long damn time. But I did hear somebody in a meeting today when I went to a meeting earlier and they said they had been in, in, in the, the ward for 14 months. I'm like, wow, somebody was actually there as long as me. Because I, I never heard nobody else say they had been there that long, you know. And in my mind, being in the site was that that long. It wasn't so bad, you know. Um, every now and then, somebody would bring some weed in. I smoked some weed, you know. Um, I'd play cards all day long, writing write in my journal and this. And I did get into one fight with a girl there. Um, I beat this girl up and they end up putting me in a straitjacket because she stole my cigarettes. The first time I let her get away with it, the second time it wasn't happening. 
nowadays they don't tie you up and put you in a straight jacket. I'm laughing about it now because it's, it's like funny. I went through it, but that shit was serious as hell. <laughs> I'm like, well, she stole my shit, you know, and they gave me a shot. And um, it was just a terrible, terrible experience. They did give me some medicine. And um, the medicine I was allergic to, and all my hair started falling out. My tongue, I couldn't keep it in, 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 in my mouth, and my head was going all like this. But yet, this is the place that I wanted to stay. You know, so I just needed a break from the street, it was what I was thinking, you know. So, but anyway, um, after the 10 months, it was suggested that maybe I go and get into like a drug program because. It wasn't so much the medication with the depression. They felt like my main problem was was drugs and 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 alcohol, you know. So uh, little they know it all meshed together. I know that now, you know. Um, so I did go into this program, and um, when I when I got to this program, and I had been in a program previously, back in in um in the 70s but the only reason I was there is because somebody told me the feds were after me so I figured I would run and go in this program and um they never found me but you know what listen I it's not like I'm Dillinger or anything if they wanted me they could have got me anytime you know so but yeah I had been in a program for a short time before but this program that I went to after the um after the psych ward you know it was it was a, a good program. It wasn't like very um stringent like some programs we had to be assigned or you had to sit around you know in a group and they tell you, oh, oh, this and that and shout and scream at you. It wasn't like that. You know, this program um offered you if you wanted, you know, educational stuff, they would help you with that. Or um they also had meetings coming. This is when I first found out about AA. And NA, I had seen stuff like, you know, in the movies and TV about AA and NA, not too much, a little bit, but I still didn't think that that, that was my problem. I still um, harbored the thought that my main problem was I was in the psych ward, so I must be, you know, off, really off the beam. And plus, people had told me that since I was a little kid. So, you know, that's what I was running with. But um, I started to go to the in-house meeting and um, they had NA and they had AA. So we would have like four meetings a week and people would come in, you know, from, from, from the street into our meeting house. And lo and behold, I got to see some people I was actually using with. So it was attractions for me because they looked like really good. You know, some of them were touters in the street. If you don't know what a touter is, a touter is somebody that will direct you to the worst dope in the world just so they can get paid after you go buy it. So some of them were touters and I wasn't trying to look at them, but when I seen them, their skin was bright, their eyes were bright. Some of them even had on a little gold. Some of them had cars. I'm like, oh shit, look at them. So then, you know, I told myself, well, listen, if they could do it, I know I could do it, you know? So I, I had that kind of attitude, you know? But I said, yeah, but I only want to do this shit for six months. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I don't want to not get high for the rest of my life. I wasn't looking at the day at the time because I had no concept of program. I didn't know about program. I hadn't been to outside meetings. I hadn't studied any of the books. 
or got a sponsor or any of that, you know, but um, so that was a, a, a key for me, you know, I did get a, a stipend job um, with, with the program, and um, so they would give you this little funky check every two weeks, you know, and I was like, ah, okay, okay, I did have some money in the bank, though, but I didn't tell them that, but I did have something, but um, what happened was one day, I was coming home, or back to the program, I had just got this funky check that I just got finished telling you about, and I was like, well, damn, I feel like getting high, <laughs> it just came on me out of the blue it was like and I guess you know they say money is a mood changer if you don't have none it'll change your mood and if you have some it'll change your mood too you know especially if somebody's trying to take you from you Ugh. but anyway um so uh yes yeah, so I, I got that feeling but then again another thought popped into my head and I know it was only because the meetings I went to okay you got a choice. You can go to a meeting right now and see what you can hear that'll keep you from picking up the next one. That was the turning point for me right there, right there. So I went to the meeting and I didn't use, I didn't use, I didn't use. So I stood that way for, for, for almost seven years, you know, and then one day I did pick up, but I picked up for two days. So um, matter of fact, the day that I picked up was the day that Mark C came into the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the day he was born was the day that I picked up a drug. You know, I always tease him. I say, yep, you came into the world just so you could tell me, listen, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's a little private joke in between him and I. But um, but yeah, so I had, I had the two-day relapse. But, you know, I'm glad that even though I had the relapse, I learned that um, I came right back. I had to go to psych ward just for those two days. I needed to go away. Not to a long-term program. Just did a program for a couple of weeks, and then I came back out. And um, I've been clean ever since. Um, I need to tell you, it's, 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 been, it's been rough areas, but I wouldn't trade what I went through or where I'm at now for anything because I never thought I would live this long. You know, in um, 1992, I was diagnosed with, um, I'm sorry, 1989, I was diagnosed um, HIV positive. Um, so, you know, I had to go through that. I had to learn about how to take care of myself, how to um, protect myself, um, how to protect others. If I was dealing with somebody, um, I had to learn a whole new way. And I think that, you know, when, when that happened, that was a good thing. I, I try to look at it as a good thing because I learned how to um to cherish more the time I had on this earth, especially since they told me I only had a year to live, you know? So, um, you know, and, <laughs> and even when I got, when I got the, um, the diagnosis, I was shocked, but not surprised. I don't know if that makes sense, but not surprised because I knew my background, you know, so. And um, I didn't mention I used heroin intravenously. So I'm, I neglected to tell you that. So that kind of led up to that. And it could have been me catching it sexually because I was super promiscuous because I always hung around with the guys. So I always had like a, a, a man's attitude. 
towards sex, but not so much so that I was going to get out there and sell my ass. That wasn't happening. But yeah, always I told you I like handsome men. That should have been a clue for you all right there. So anyway, um, yeah, so it was hard. I had to learn how to eat differently. I had to learn to exercise. I went into Tai Chi, and that's when I started my um my journey with um meditation. You know, I started with meditation then. I started being um educated about a person living with HIV, especially a woman. It was hard back then. I seen a lot of people die, a lot, a lot. You know, even before I got into recovery, I was seeing that, you know. And um, I was afraid, but I showed up for myself. You know, I said, well, <clears throat> I only got a year to live. I might as well make, you know, the the, the best of it. So I got, you know, that that education base. And I was like, damn, I wanted to go to college, you know, because I did have a job previously back in the 80s. I was working in um, this college, this registrar's office. And what I would do is um, I would help, help some of the the students that would come in with their term papers. I was a very good writer. I still am, by the way. And um, I would help them and they would pay me. You know, they would pay me. Um, so between that and a little little job I had as, as um, I'll call it light stripping at um, Showgirls on 42nd Street. I had a little thing going there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So all those things were forbidden to me and I wanted to go to college the right way, you know, um, and I did. I did. But it took me eight years to do it. Um, yeah, yeah, because I kept saying, oh, no, I'm going to die this year. Even today, sometimes I, I, you know, I lay down, I'm like, will this be the last day? You know, so then I say, well, OK, if it is, just, you made the best of it. It was a good day, you know. So each day is like a gift to me you know, because um, I never know when it's going to be no more. And I'm 72 now, and I started this journey when I was in my 30s, you know, so um, I don't know. But anyway, I did go to college. I went to um, undergrad school, College Junior Rochelle. I got my bachelor's. I came out with honors, of course. I told you I was smart. But anyway, I came out with honors. I did very well. Um, then I went to grad school, got my master's in social work. But by then, I was tired. I'm like, oh, I'm so tired of school. <laughs> you know, because I'm older, so I had to, like, work harder. You know, the papers, the this, the that. You know, it was very hard. But I did it. I did it, and I worked a full-time job at the same time. You know, some days I was very tired. Some days I couldn't make it home. I'd go to one of my cousin's house that lived further downtown in um the lower Bronx, and I'd spend the night because I couldn't make it home. I was too tired. And I had a, a late night class at nine o'clock at night. And I had to get up and go to work six o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I can't make it, you know. So, but anyway, I got through it. I got through it. So, yeah, so that's what my life has been about. Um, so I worked for a while. I've worked in hospitals um, as a social worker. I worked with um, homeless women and they gave me the blue. That is a rough population. Oh, some of them were coming out of jail. They'd be like, good morning, bitch. <laughs> oh, God. I wanted to smack all of them, but that was the job, you know. But, um, yeah, yes, yeah, so I stood there until I couldn't I couldn't work there anymore. I got sick at work, um, came down with shingles, and I got very ill. So I had to come out. I had to come out and um, 
and I retired after a while. We I came out on disability, and um, then the depression started to set in again. So I, I sought, um, you know, I sought therapy, and it, it's it's been a hard road. I'm retired now for a while now over ten years. It'll be eleven years in um September. So I told myself when this pandemic period came up, I said, well, you know. If I got through the AIDS epidemic, I could certainly get through this shit. But I had no idea that the pandemic was going to be this long. You know, I, I don't know what I thought. But I, I told myself at the beginning of the pandemic, if I get sick, you know, and I have to wind up in the hospital, I'm going to kill myself because I can't do it. I can't do it. And that's a reservation, by the way. And I, But I did talk to people about it, you know, um, I don't want to be in a position where I can't take care of myself. You know, I don't want to be in a nursing home. I don't want to be any of those things. But I, I do talk about it because it may come to that. You know, I'm older now and I'm starting to like not remember a lot of things. I'm having a lot of problems with um like my shoulder. Then it was like the neuropathy probably from all the antivirals that I've been taking for the HIV over the years, you know. That builds up in your system. It may help with the HIV, but it damages other parts of your body. That shit is strong as hell. But anyway, um, it's kept me alive this this long. So so far, I'm I'm doing okay. I haven't come down with COVID yet this whole period. So I've been pretty um pretty lucky with that. And I just show up, you know, I make meetings, I do a lot of service, I stay connected. I did get to go on a cruise this summer. Um my daughter, who I was telling you about, is now grandmother. So I'm a great grand, uh, great grandmother. I haven't seen my my um my great granddaughter yet. I've only seen her on Zoom. You know, she was she came into the world, and she's had COVID twice already. You know, my whole family that live in Arkansas now they don't believe in the um the vaccine. You know, I can't be around them. I can't expose myself to them. Because they're always getting sick, this thing and that thing. I'm like, oh, hell no. I'll see you on Zoom. But I, I would like to see um my great-granddaughter before I leave the planet, you know? But I don't know. I don't know. um I don't know. I don't know what the what the days will bring a day at a time. But I am ever grateful that, that I'm in the process of um wanting to live, um staying sober, enjoying myself, um, out of been on a cruise this summer. That was a little scary at first, but I fell right in with the program. I had a ball. I'm looking to see where I want to go this summer. I told Zana and 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 Marsha, I want to come to Canada, you know, because I know they'll show me a good time and I love them dearly. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens a, a, a day at a time. I am a little concerned about this shoulder shit though, because I, I need my shoulder. I can't draw, I can't do anything. But um, I can lift it, but I got um, x-rays and they told me, they said, well, it's a little arthritis, but um, it's been bothering me. And also I take acupuncture. I didn't tell you that. Yeah. I try to address every area. I even got my teeth fixed not long ago. See? Yeah. And I told myself I would never go to the dentist again. I hate the dentist. I hate it. So I try to address everything that's going on in my body. So it's optimum best, the best I can. I mean, I got to work with what I got, you know? So that's where I'm at. Um, I have to go for an x-ray. 
um, in, in two weeks, I have to go for an x-ray. So then they'll let me know. If maybe it's a rotator cuff thing going on. I don't know. But they did scare me. They said if it's a rotator cuff, we might have to cut it. Then you have to wear a sling for six weeks. I'm like, what? I'm like, no, we're going to do something else. you know. I, and I didn't tell you I broke my hand once and I was on crutches once as well. So I'm afraid of slings and crutches and all this and all of that. I don't want to do it. But we'll see, because all of that, you know, they tell me these things, and then my mind goes into catastrophic thinking, you know, so I'm just trying to stay in it now where I'm at today. So for, that, for today, I'm okay. I'm not as nervous now. I'm glad you all are here. I'm glad you chose to listen to me this evening. I hope I help someone. If not, I certainly help me by showing up and not punking out and say, oh, I can't make it. But I wouldn't do that to Megan. Megan would kick my ass. So, but anyway, um, thank you all for being here and thank you for listening to me. And I hope you have a splendid and a so delicious evening. Bye for now. <laughs>